the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We have seen just how horrible sin is, and we've come to understand just how deep sin runs in our soul and in our flesh, which requires a desperate need. We'll consider that need next. Join us. The Horrors of Sin. The Apostle Paul has dealt with this here in chapter 7 of Romans, verses 13 through 25. In chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, he begins to turn a corner as we consider sin in Christ. Now, that's not to say Christ was sinful. It's that he took our sin. He bore our sin. And the penalty rightly due that sin. With more, here's Pastor Gary and today's broadcast of abounding grace. There is absolutely nothing you and I can do about our sins. Absolutely nothing. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes to us and frees us, then we will remain the torn, maimed slaves of this monster of sin and death and judgment. Now I know That grasshopper man, dust cloud man, speaks loudly and proudly against God. They don't believe there is sin. There's no God. There is no judgment. But of course, it's all self-delusion. We feel tremblings of conscience, an inability to resist temptation. Men furiously still fight against the Bible trying to redefine words and doctrines as if they are fighting God with artificial swords like children, air shadow fighting, trying to get away from they know not what. No, it is all a mad delusion. God's curse hangs over sinners until our mighty champion, the Lord Jesus Christ, comes forward and frees us by his obedience and by his shed blood on the cross. Now, we need to realize there is another part to the gospel. I mean, the part I just explained is wonderful. But if sin is still brutalizing us and destroying us, what good is it to hear, okay, you're free, you're free, You can walk away, but yet we still feel that sin is harming us and pounding us. This would be like a slave in one of those old Roman galley ships being told, you're free. You can leave the ship anytime. And yet as he sees the other ships coming to him to ram his ship and sink it, the chains are still there and he cannot get away. I'm afraid too often that this is like the gospel that is preached today. We have a lot of, okay, you can be forgiven, and you don't have to go to hell, and 
That is great. But that's only half a savior. And we don't have half a savior. We have a whole savior. And he breaks the chain so that men walk out of the ship of sin and are able to serve God in newness of life. And without that one, and without the one, there is no other. Because you cannot cut Jesus into two halves. He is a whole savior. And his cross accomplishes both sides. Both our forgiveness, our cleansing, our justification before God, and our deliverance from sin's power. So we can walk before God in newness of life. Picking up now with verse 3, the law cannot free us at all. The law cannot do this either side of it. It goes without saying that the law can't justify us. Paul spent chapters 1 through 5 of this very letter showing that we are sinful, we are guilty, and we cannot escape the judgment of God. We fell in Adam, and we sin in our own lives. We are completely unable to please God in our own strength. Jesus Christ then comes forward. He obeys God's law for us. He takes the death penalty that our sins deserve on the cross and obtains free forgiveness, pardon, cleansing, and he makes us righteous. So verse 3 clarifies the first phrase of verse 1. Why are we under no condemnation? It's not because of our obedience to the law. If we trust the law, we wind up like the Jews and Judaism. And let me summarize Judaism, past and present, for you in just one sentence. Let's make it all up. Because that's what they did. Let's make up a bunch of man-made laws. Let's make up a bunch of man-made ceremonies. And let's substitute them for God's law. And then we will pretend that this is the way we are made right with God. All religions that are not based on Scripture do this very thing. But Paul has already said, Jew, Gentile, there is none who doeth good. No, not one. So in terms of what the law cannot do, it cannot make us right with God. But let me tell you, and listen very carefully. The law also cannot do what the end of verse 2 talks about, making me free from the law of sin and death. The law cannot give me that freedom so that I can walk with God in holiness. I cannot do it. Now, the fault, as Paul later says in Hebrews 8.8, is not in the law. He's already said in chapter 7 of of uh, verse 12 the law is holy the law is just the law is good so the fault is not in the law its impotence is not in the law it is in me because i have broken god's commandments and cut myself off from the strength with which god created me so listen carefully It's not only when it comes to being right with God that the law is impotent, but also when it comes to walking with God in holiness. The law 
cannot do it. Now, the law beautifully in 2022 clearly chose for us the way to walk with God in every area of life. But until our hearts are made new by the Spirit, there is no power in us to want to obey God's law. It only incites more rebellion, more self-justification, more I can do it in my own strength. But we are too diseased. We are too weak. We are too lame. We are too dead in our trespasses and sins to walk with God according to the perfect rule that he has given us in his word until the tyranny, the power of sin is broken. Now, before we talk about how God does that, let me make just one important application for you who are believers here today. Very often, the emphasis upon duty is biblical. And it is unbiblical to deny that the Christian life is one of duty. It is actually satanic to deny that the Christian life contains numerous duties and ways in which we are to obey God. But understand the strength to do it, even in believers, it doesn't lie within us. I can't obey myself into God's good graces, and I can't keep myself on the path of obedience. If I sin, I certainly cannot obey myself back into the right standing with God. And if I set out this day and I say, I'm going to obey God in this area of my life with renewed diligence, what is going to happen to me? I'm going to fall flat on my face unless every step is taken in prayerful dependence upon God. And what does all this teach us? What is our weakness as Christians? As Christians in our weakness in obeying God, what does that teach us? We have no strength in ourselves. We must be continually clinging to our precious slaver, slave, our precious Savior. He promises to give us strength. He is the only cleanser of our sins. And he is the only deliverer from their power. So the more we feel our wretchedness, like Paul did earlier in Romans 7, the more we find it true in us as he found it true in him. In me, in my flesh dwells no good thing. What I hate, I find myself doing. What I love, I can't find the strength to do it. What does that teach us? We must cling to our Savior. The law, our own obedience, our own willpower, our own resolve, our theological traditions will not supply us with strength. Strength comes from a person, and that person is the mighty deliverer, Jesus Christ, So we must go to him and seek him, depending upon his promises. By the way, here is one way we can know if our tears 
Our groanings are those of a redeemed soul hungering for God, hungering for grace, hungering for righteousness. Are your tears those of a guilty soul dreading judgment? Heaven and hell may and do hang on the line on on the line for each one of you in this. Does my sense of weakness, does it lead me? Does it lead you to Jesus Christ or does it lead you within yourself? I'm going to find a way. I can do it somehow. Isn't that why more people do not come to the gospel? We can cure this. We can find a remedy for this. We can overcome the obstacle to this. Somehow, some way, we can do it. But those who see themselves truly before the face of God and have departed from this madness, the madness of man's pride, I can do it, I can fix this, I can overcome it, say, no, I can't. I must have the help from another because I am dead in my trespasses and sins. So one of the clearest distinguishing marks of the child of God is this deep conviction. And I hope it's yours that I cannot save myself and that that conviction leads me to not just stop here and say, oh, woe is me. But it leads me to flee to Jesus Christ, that seeking, living and growing relationship with him through the word and through prayer, not because this is my badge of discipleship, but because he is the only savior of sinners. And he not only saves us from the guilt of sin, but he saves us from its power. Now, he will help us. Notice verse 3, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Our disobedience, our own weakness, God sent his son to enable us to overcome. Now, I want us to stop here for just a minute. This sounds a lot like John 3.16, doesn't it? God sent his son. I want you to hear this and be persuaded of it by God's spirit. Only a supernatural, beyond our wisdom, our feelings, our reason, only a supernatural remedy can be, come, can be forthcoming for our depravity and for our filth because there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. The church over the last 200 years has gone to war against her own gospel and against her own Savior. And I live under a growing conviction that, we are going th- that what we are going through right now is not the crisis. I know everyone thinks it is because everyone thinks in terms of politics in Washington, D.C. But we already went through the crisis. And the church in the West formerly failed it. And that was when pseudo-intellectuals, pseudo-scientists, pseudo-preachers, pseudo-theologians, pseudo-meaning false came stalking through our seminaries and our churches from 1830 to 1900 and gradually taught us some of hell's best 
lessons, like creation was not by fiat, thus saith the Lord. It was a process. Inspiration is not supernatural. The Bible is mostly a human book with a few pointers that maybe there is something that is beyond us. Jesus, he was just a great prophet. He was a great man along the lines of Muhammad and Buddha, but he was not the God-man. Regeneration is not a new birth. It's just a change of opinion. It is a heightened positive outlook. And as for holiness, it's just good feelings and humanitarianism. And a good portion of the church swallowed these lies. And everything we've seen since, as I mentioned recently, Yale gave up its cross and crown and has now become, because of its apostasy, the skull and bones. An evil secret society that gives us most of our presidents and our Supreme Court justices. The crisis in America is not political. It is the fruit of theological apostasy that occurred long before you and I ever saw the light of day. And until the theological issue is dealt with, forget political remedies. They will not happen over the long term what the what is the political remedy are you ready god sent his son salvation comes from the outside of man it comes from outside of man's movements man's histories and it enters history from heaven it enters history through the god man the incarnate eternal son of god God set his son, the supernatural, the man above, above our ability to truly understand. That is at the heart of Christianity. Deny that, and there is no Christianity left. Go to mainline Presbyterian churches. Go to mainline Methodist churches. Go to mainline Episcopalian churches long ago. They denied the supernatural. So long ago, they left man to his own devices. But God sent his son. Now notice how he sent him. In the likeness of sinful flesh. Likeness is a very important word here. It doesn't mean he sent him in sinful flesh. Because that wouldn't do us any good. Remember our Savior, Hebrews 7.26 had to be holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. He had to make atonement for our sins in the presence of the holy God. And that is what he was sent to do. But he did come in the likeness of our sinful flesh. He entered fully into our misery. He felt and endured our temptations. He wept our bitter tears. He trembled before our death, and he felt the crushing alienation of our guilt upon himself. And notice the important addition here, and for sin. He came for sin, not only to enter into our sinful misery in a sympathetic way, but he came as a sacrifice for sin. This is a very powerful little phrase in Greek. 
It means he came to bear the full judgment that our sins deserve on the cross. He was made or he became sin for us. He became the burnt offering that was offered up to God to satisfy divine justice. Now notice what he did by doing this. This is the most important line about holiness you will almost ever read in all of Scripture. Because without this line, there is no Christian holiness. Only condemned sin in the flesh. This phrase is the heart of everything that Paul has said about justification. And now that is what he will say about sanctification. But let's talk about sanctification first. Or, I'm sorry, justification first. The reason we are not under condemnation, verse 1, is because he condemned sin in the flesh. He put an end to its tyranny. He judged it, it says in the Greek, or otherwise, another way, he said he judged sin. But there's something else here. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that concrete historical judgment against sin that Jesus Christ issued when he bore its penalty, when he satisfied the weight of God's judgment against us for our sins, he put sin before the bar of justice. He put sin before his judgment seat and he condemned it and he broke its power. And now, When we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes that judgment, that condemnation of sin in the flesh, not in some spiritual realm, but in the concrete, in the here and now, your life, my life. And he applies that judgment against sin that Jesus made by offering himself up. And he applies that to our lives. The old man of sin Therefore, say a scripture has been crucified past tense. Its dominion is broken. This is not some second blessing or some third blessing. This is not for Presbyterian, but not for Baptist. This is what the almighty God does in every single individual in whom he brings to know his son and believes on his son for salvation. He not only declares him forgiven, And imputes righteousness to him. But he breaks the dominion and the stronghold and the tyranny of sin. Now yes, we still struggle against it. There is no doubt. But we do not struggle as slaves. We struggle as free men. For some reason, as I thought about these verses and putting this sermon together. The scene in the bottom of the boat of the movie Ben-Hur came to my mind. I remember watching this movie as a young boy, and I've watched it many, many times since. In fact, my family won't even watch it with me anymore. They're so tired of it. And being absolutely gripped, when the commander of the galley comes and says that Judah Ben-Hur's chains are to be loosened. So a soldier comes up to him. All the slaves are chained together in the bottom of the ship because they were to go down if the ship was to sink. And the soldier looks down and he removes the chain and her ankle brace. All of the other slaves look around and someone says, why did he do that? Ben-Hur simply says, 
I don't know. And that is how we battle with sin. The chain is gone. Now also when the boat was about to be rammed, the slaves that were all chained would actually cut off their legs and arms. Anything not to drown. But you see, that's not us. We are in the position of those who have been freed from the chains. Now our Savior in verse 3 condemns sin in the flesh by dying to the penalty and the power of sin. And this is emphasized for two reasons. One, we only boast fully in our Savior's cross by doing justice to both sides of what he did there on the cross. Yes, he was a propitiation. Yes, he paid our penalty. Yes, when we believe in him, there is no condemnation. But it did more than this. His sacrifice broke the chains of sin that bound us. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org. And if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org. Or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.